welcome to The Aggressive Life. You know, I've said many times before, it's my podcast and I'll do what I want to. Do what I want to, do what I want to. You would do it too if you had your own podcast. It's an old song. I'm in Cincinnati. I've lived in Cincinnati for 27-ish years. It's a great city. I'm excited to be here. I'm a Cincinnatian now. And as a result, I got to tell you, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the freaking Super Bowl. I can't tell you how exciting it is. It's just utterly fantastic. The aggressive life family I know stretches all over the globe, but I think the entire globe is probably rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals this Super Bowl because, gosh, they've been the, the what do you want to call it, the, the poor orphans of the NFL, uh, the um, – uh, the losers of the NFL, the uh, little sisters of the poor of the NFL, like virtually any any weak moniker you can apply to the Bengals over the last 31 years, that's what they have been. And yet, they're one game away from a Super Bowl championship. The last the last year that Cincinnati Bengals had won a playoff game was. 1980, 81? What, what was that year? 89. 89. No, before this year, no one ever sent a text ever saying the Bengals won a playoff game. In fact, not only that, before this year, I was talking with somebody else. I don't think anyone even sent an email saying the Bengals won a playoff game. Email, for me, wasn't really started until, oh gosh, maybe 1995 or something like that. It's really crazy. And yet here in Cincinnati... We are pumped. So today we're talking football, all football, all the time, and I've got an insider scoop for us. Yes, I've got a guy who's on the inside of the Bengals organization that I can't wait to pick his brain on. Who might this guy be? Might it be Joe Burrow? No, it's not Joe Burrow. What do you think I am? Think I'm Joe Rogan? I could land Joe Joe Burrow? No, it's not Joe Burrow. It's somebody better. Vincent... Vinny Ray. Who exactly is he? He is a former Bengals linebacker who now serves as the team chaplain. So he gives spiritual formation and is a listening ear to any Bengal who wants it. I'm excited to talk with him today. Football, talk spirituality, talk chaplaincy, talk Super Bowl. Welcome to the Aggressive Life, Vincent Vinny Ray. Awesome. Brian, thanks for having me on. Oh, man, it's great to have you on. First of all, let's do a little background for a lot of folks. They'd be surprised to know that every every NFL team has a chaplain and basically a chapel program or their services. Just, just brief us on what is this that happens in the NFL that doesn't get publicized ever? Yes. So every team has a chaplain and a chaplain is just someone who is available for player's spiritual needs and at the minimum. Also, just serving the team, serving the organization at large uh, in multiple ways. Now, there are some chaplains who are um, more fully integrated into the organization, meaning they're, they are in the meetings, they're there every day, and you have that, and then you have some who are not a part of the organization, um, some who are just outsiders in that way, and that's kind of more my role. I'm not a part of the organization in that role, and especially with uh, due to COVID, I'm not in the locker room at all at, at this point. So I 
However, I'm still a part. Uh, I'm still there for the players, for the organization, coaches, anyone um, spiritually, whether it's Bible study, whether it's one-to-one discipleship, whether you have questions um, about life, whether it's chapel before the game, um, couples, um, counseling for marriage, uh, marrying couples, all of these things That's cool. are things that I do, and not just myself, but in my life. I didn't realize there's some teams where you're saying the chaplain is an official part of the organization, like in coaches' meetings and stuff like that? Yes, there are some wow. that are like that, man. They're fully involved in the organization. Um, and I, it's by team. You know, there's no blanket rule of how it's supposed to go. Uh, each team governs governs its own self in that way, from my understanding. And yeah, getting to know various chaplains around the NFL, they're, they're out there just working hard, man, um, trying to trying to make connections with the team. Um, and a lot of times those connections come informally, as you would know, like it's not always coming from uh, just preaching, but it's an informal conversation that you have with the player. I would assume that it's the teams where there is a, uh, a seriously devoted Christian owner and probably a seriously devoted Christian coach where that, that guy is integrated into the organization. Is that true? Uh well, it could be that way. I, I can't think of um, uh, specific examples, but just from speaking with chaplains uh, across the league, there are some teams where they just say, hey, this is what we do. We want to have this service for the players. We think it's a benefit for them. And I was a player. I played nine years in the NFL and I had three different chaplains and they all were big time benefits to my life. Because in when you are a player in the NFL or even a coach for that matter, it's all about production. It's all about performance. And in a lot of ways, your performance becomes your identity. And when you relate to other players or other coaches, it's just about finding a way to get a win. And if you're not getting a win, then it's like, man, well, what am I here for? What am I good for? What What's my benefit here? But when you have someone like a team chaplain who you can go and speak to about spiritual things, you can go and speak to about marriage, about relating to other players, other coaches, about being involved in a community uh, that you're playing in or at your home community. There's That's the value of a chaplain, in my opinion. I've spoken at a number of chapel services, not for the Bengals. Thanks for never inviting me. I appreciate that. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) no wonder the Bengals Bengals haven't been winning. You haven't been asking me to speak at any chapel services. No, seriously, when when visiting teams come into Cincinnati, they they, uh, will regularly ask me to speak at their chapels, which is is a really cool honor. And I, I think when I go, it looks like about half the team shows up for a voluntary chapel service. Is that right? That's, is that what it still is? Or, or are there no chapel services over the last two years? What's that looking like? This past year, and I'm not sure about the year before me, but I know for me, for this year, there haven't been any in-person chapel services. However, we still have them virtually. And I think they're still fruitful. They're still productive, man. Um, I, I mean, I'm usually giving the message, so I'm a little biased, but I think- No, that's they're the great. Of- oh, they're so inspiring, man. <laughs> I mean, people just feel the presence of God through the Zoom call. It's, it's stunning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get some feedback from the men, and what I'm hoping for is from anyone who's there is for life change, is for, you know, them, 
the the next day to be different and not just on the football field. And we get I've gotten, I don't know, sometimes between 10 to 20, maybe even more guys who have come on online to chapel. Uh, and when I was a player, there would be even more. There were coaches and players, some front office people. They'll be there at chapel. Well, that's the Zoom world. It's the same in, in the church world. If you're going to have a, something on Zoom, it's just not the same numbers as if you're going to have a regimented time where people can be inspired in person. So um, mm-hmm. welcome to my world. That's kind of the way it is. I'm curious, you're, you've been a chaplain of the Bengals for this year, and you played for the Bengals. When was your last year playing for the Bengals? So my last season was 2018, so three years ago. Okay. And you were with the Bengals your entire career? Yes, all nine seasons. Okay, so uh, I, I got to tell you, just just full disclosure here, full disclosure. I okay. am a Cincinnati Bengal fan. When I, I left Pittsburgh in 1995 to start Crossroads, and I was really committed to make the transition from the Steelers to the Bengals, nice. which, which nobody in Pittsburgh would ever understand. They're like, that's crazy. You're, 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 you're stupid. That can't happen. And I was just very clear. I, I, God's called me to the city and I'm going to be about this city. And that includes the football team. So I actually did make the transition to the Bengals. I found it. There was a, um, there was a pivotal game when the Bengals played the Steelers. I think it was 19, I'm going to guess 1999. So it would have been three or four years after I'd moved to Cincinnati. And there was a key play, and I remember going, yes! And I realized, oh, I I intuitively cheered for the Bengals there instead of the Steelers. It was really cool. I I kind of flipped over. But then over the years, I just got really frustrated with the Bengals. I got frustrated with not spending the salary cap years ago. I got frustrated with not investing in scouting. I I felt frustrated not having a GM. I I could go on and on and on and on. on. So I, I eventually just kind of fell out of fell out of habit of following the Bengals intensely and um yeah. n- never disliked the Bengals just like man I got other things to do I'm just, I'm just so frustrated and so I kind of fell into other some other things just stopped really following the NFL for the most part for the last you know several years which is really unlike me I've been a huge huge football guy my whole life anyway fast forward to this Fitty, and like I am back I, I am I hate to call myself a fair weather fan <laughs> but man the the energy is electric and people People go, isn't this great? Is this great? And I say, you do under under you do understand that this is the way it's like in every single NFL city where they have a shot at winning the playoffs. People don't schedule things on the weekends during the playoffs because they assume they're going to be in. The whole team comes yeah. in, the whole city. And I'm in it's it's like old Pittsburgh days right now, where like the city is on fire and together. Do you feel that? What that what's that like for you? Man, I feel it, man. I all my neighbors are excited. Uh, when I go to the grocery store, people are so excited. I go to pick up my two oldest daughters from school and the her whole class, they're all doing the who they chant. <laughs> I didn't even know my young, my daughter knew the chant. So it's, <laughs> it's just been an exciting time, man. You know, as a player, I, so I got here in 2010 and um, from 2011 through 2015, we had successful seasons. We won um, two AFC North titles, which is always tough to do. Yes, it is. In the division with the Ravens, the Steelers. Come on now. Now the Browns. Right. Like, it's always tough. But um, now just the, the team, and I don't know them that well, not everyone, but I do see that there's a lot of 
character there. A lot of men who are willing to do things for others before themselves. And they may not get the glory, but the whole team is doing well. Yes. Uh, so that whole idea of we over me is really, it shows itself as the games get tighter and as the games get closer to the end where the team just seems to play better. Is it as simple as Joe Burrow is a leader who has an infectious winning attitude? It's trickled everywhere because I look at the team and I'm going like, I don't know the offensive line is better than it was in years past. I don't know that Chase is better than A.J. Green was in his prime. I don't know that the linebacker core is better. I'm, I'm looking at the kickers probably is for sure better than anything we've ever, ever had before. But I'm going like, is it really as simple as Joe Burrow? That's, that's the missing sauce? Well, obviously, everyone can tell he's a, a top leader. I was speaking with Coach Taylor, and he told me as, as a rookie, Joe Burrow came in as the leader. Uh, so obviously, to be the leader in the NFL, for veterans to look at you as a leader, you've got to be coming in saying, hey, I'm going to do just as much work as, as anyone and then more. And when I speak, it's going to hold weight because I'm going to put in the work. I love that we have him. Uh, and I know that his leadership elevates the play, not just the offense, but all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. However, I don't want to undersell uh, how key bringing in some of these free agents have been uh, who have come in and have said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the coaches. I'm going to do my job and I'm going to be a good team guy. And that is so hard to do. So in my nine years, every year we had free agents come in and the hardest thing to do was to get them to buy into the culture because these guys are successful somewhere else. That's why multiple teams want them and we're able to get them. However, for us to get guys like Von Bell, Larry Ogunjobi, Awuzie on the outside corner, Eli Apple, all of these players are coming in who are successful elsewhere, but coming in under the vision of the head coach. Um, and then players on the offense, as you know, rookies, second year guys, for them to all buy in this way, when you have leadership buying in, it allows the younger players to fall in line and buy in. And that is so hard to do. Trust me, I've seen it. I've seen guys come in from other teams or even your own leaders not be all the time leaders and that attitude trickle down to younger guys who when they become the leaders follow in the same way and don't aren't always leaders um, and it affects the team. Some of those guys, didn't they specifically say, I came to Cincinnati because I believe in Joe Burrow? Yes. <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. That, mm -hmm. That's just crazy. So yeah. what would people be surprised to know about the Bengals? Like if we had your job interacting with the players you're interacting with, is there anything that would be a head tilt for us? I think one thing many people don't know about football in general is how most players are fighting to make it to the next week. It's it, you can think that, oh, these guys just have it made, uh, but it is always competition. There are players who are on the practice squad who are trying to get on the active roster. Um, like I was I started on a practice squad 13 weeks hoping for a chance to play, preparing as if I was going to play and then finally get in my shot. And then you have guys who are on the active roster who are not starters and who are trying to start. So those starters 
always have to bring their A game, not just for the guys on their team competing for their spots, but you have players who are going to be drafted next year who are competing. You have players all across the other 31 teams in the NFL who are competing, and the league is made up mostly of guys who are just trying to make it to the next week or the next year. You do have your superstars who are 5 to 10% of the guys, but most guys are just relentlessly competing to find a way to, to make the team. So that that's like a axe over the neck that most guys are feeling week to week. Wonder if they're going to make the next week. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. You you have that pressure and that stress. Uh, and I mean, pressure can be a great thing, and it it makes it creates the best performance of players and coaches. That's why I'm I'm biased, but I think the NFL is the best because there's pressure to perform every week. There's really not much difference athletically between the practice squad and a starter, right? I mean, you're, yes. it, 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 it looks like there's a massive difference when someone subs in, but that's really because they haven't gotten the reps in practice and they're, they're, they're not fresh. They're, there's just very little margin for error, correct? Yes, you have got it. That is a true thing. The difference between the starter and the backup player or the starter and the 10 guys lined up to to come in and and make and try to make a team or make a practice squad the difference is very little athletically i have seen that the the players that tend to make the team over and over tend to have longer careers have a special mental fortitude to say hey you know what i'm going to compete not just in the game i'm going to compete in practice here I'm going to compete watching film and taking notes um, with as I watch film. By the way, I'm not just going to do it week one. I'm going to do it week 21. <laughs> I'm going to do it every week to be great because I'm chasing excellence here. Mm. Um, and to do that week after week, it's easy to have one great game or even a great you know month, but to have a great season and to have great multiple seasons you are mentally, there's not many stronger than you out there. That's really interesting, Vinny. I, I've been, I've been thinking about this for the last, um, oh, the last three weeks. Just seeing the transformation in Cincinnati, and remembering what it was like in Pittsburgh with the whole team just cohesive, the whole the whole city cohesive, and. Uh, because I haven't, we haven't had that in Cincinnati for a long, long time. It's it's really striking. I'm I'm noticing some things sociologically and psychologically that I wouldn't had I went directly from Pittsburgh winning town to directly Cincinnati winning town. But since I've had like a, you know, a cleansing of the palate, it's like wow. Like, <laughs> like you, you 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 mentioned your your kids at school, and you're like, man, the the self esteem boost to children inside of a winning city is 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 remarkable. It doesn't make sense. Like, what is it that there are these professional athletes who aren't committed to the city? They're probably not going to live here in the city when their contract is out or when they retire. And yet their performance and us winning, we feel better about ourselves, even though the most we're ever doing is watching them on TV. Mentally, it's just a it's just a it's just an odd thing. And, and I've been trying to think through I'm going to preach on this coming up, so maybe you can help me refine my my sermon. It's kind of like we we 
we mentally identify with the champion, even though we're not the champion, we mentally identify with the champion and that makes us feel like a champion. Like I mentally identify with Jesus and what he did on the cross and him being a champion. And so I get his identity as a champion, even though I never went to a cross, I never did hand-to-hand combat with the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Have you thought about this much? Wow. No, I haven't thought about that much. No, but I, I haven't you're... either. That's why I'm, I'm like, this. I'm just seeing these things. Like, it is crazy. Do you have these Cincinnatians who feel like champions? They feel like they're awesome. They feel like winners. You're like, you haven't done anything. You, mm. you haven't worked out. You haven't, you haven't been on a field of play like ever in your life. You haven't, your, your, your cheering isn't making any difference at all. And yet you feel like a champion. And by the way, I love it. I like it. I want more of it. I feel that same way too. I'm just trying to figure out what the spiritual connection point is. And I think it has something to do with, you know, we need to be identifying with the ultimate champion of Jesus and actually that affecting Mm -hmm. our emotions, not just a bus pass to heaven, but affecting my emotions that I have, well, as the book of Romans says, I am more than conquerors. That's what we are. We are more than conquerors, even though we've never conquered anything. Well, relative to Jesus, you know. Um, so I just think there's, well, it's one of those fascinating parallels between sports and the spiritual realm that pop out every once in a while that I'm fascinated with. If you've got any thoughts on that at all to make this sermon better for me, I'm all for it. Wow. I, I believe there's something there. I'm with you because for a team to feel better, and not a team, a city to feel better about themselves as their team <laughs> is finding a way to win in the end. It's true. Like the city just has a different spirit. Yes, it does. As the team and the way we've been winning games, I don't know, the last half dozen games, not just including, not just the playoffs, but we've been finding a way to win. It's like just grit, just trust and playing your best. It makes you very proud and you embrace it. Even me, I'm a fan now. Right. Uh, in a lot of ways. And I really see what they do. And I'm like, man, I appreciate them. And yeah, I really like it. It's really, it's really weird, Vinny, how I think part of, part of it for us in Cincinnati here is all these games, these last three games, uh, they're, they're winning on last second kicks. Uh, Jamar Chase is making an, like he made an unbelievable catch in the first Kansas city game that no one's talking about, but I think that changed their whole season. It was a, it was a, it, it was an outpass, and it was low and away, and he caught it with his hands about a foot off the ground, and because of how he had to go, I don't know if you remember the play, the, the the defender was right on, couldn't couldn't get him, and he caught it and he ran like forty yards. That was like for me the the pivotal play in that game, and Cincinnati would have, the difference now is Cincinnati would always drop those balls always. Cincinnati would always miss the last last second field goal. It was like so. Cincinnati's were kind of conditioned, like, oh no, what's going to happen? Oh, it's going to go. Well, what's going to? And that's what's so fun about it. it's like <laughs> none of the bad things are happening. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! It's actually working. It's it's a weird turnaround. What? How is that? How, how does a team just all of a sudden flip the things that were never going your way? They're all going our way right now. Yes. And I'll say two things. One, I like what you just said. Like it's because it's not just we didn't go from thinking, oh, man, it's going to I went wrong again. We didn't go from there to neutral. We're actually at a point where it's like, hey, 
it's going the ball's going to bounce in our favor. They're going to make a play. They're going to get it done. And that leads to my second point. I think the reason why is because they have been doing the little things for so long. They have been putting in the work, not just working hard. We've all worked hard, but they've been about the team. I think being a team guy Mm. is so underrated. Mm. Like as fans, we don't realize the fact that these players care about one another. They know each other's significant other. They want to spend time with them off the field. Uh, that matters because when you're on, let's say defense, I'll use it because I play defense. When you're on defense and somebody has the radio and they hear from the coach what to what they have to tell the rest of the guys, what the play is going to be, what to watch out for based on the down and distance, based on the time in the game, based on the formation or the players are out there or where on the field they're at. All that matters. So when I know a guy and I care about him, I'm going to let him know, hey, it's it's second and 10 after an incompletion. They're probably going to run the ball based on our film study. So I'm going to go through those things and doing those things. I'm not in the stat book there. Hmm. However, the team is better because I've just warned the defensive end. Hey, I'm thinking they're going to throw the ball here because we just stopped them on first and 10. And based on film study, we saw after a short run on first and 10, they're going to throw the ball. So be ready for for the pass. And then all of a sudden the the defensive end gets a sack. I'm not in the stat book. However, I've made the team better. And that's, those are the little things that these guys are doing every snap. And it adds up to big things as as the games get tighter. Well, we, we got onto this, discussion when you said about 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, the difference between the practice squad and the starters is the mentality. That it's, it's not the physical stuff you can do in the weight room. It's your mentality. You just hit on a couple there. Like I think about when the Bengals had some good teams and got in the first round of the playoffs and got knocked, knocked out. It was the great, the great meltdown with perfect, uh, you know, linebacker, I assume he played ahead of you or with you, who just, you know, melted down the last seconds against Pittsburgh and just all of a sudden we were going the next round and bam, it's it's done because of a bad mental pattern that was with him and with a lot of folks. And you're saying maybe right now it's not that guys are more physically competent, they're more mentally confident, competent right now. Yes. So first I will say, I think of that game, trust me, I know the whole city hasn't forgotten. I haven't forgotten. I was out there in the field, uh, like the game against Pittsburgh or at home in the playoffs or a game against the Chargers at home in the playoffs. Teams, that these are both years we won the division. We're playing our first game at home. Games like that, you have to be doing the little things. You have to be leaders in terms of doing your job, but also leaders in terms of maybe calling someone else out. Hmm. Maybe you have to be the guy that's not liked. And I'll even put that on myself. I think a leadership deficiency I had was not saying things that needed to be said at times um, throughout throughout the season, through, in the off season. And it's little things that matter because those add up to big things. And Like what? What, what could have been said? What could you have said looking back on that? Here's an example. Uh, if... If our coach says, now this is in in practice. If our coach says, hey, for practice, we're going to go through this door. We don't want to go through that door. 
But if their players go, not listening to coach, not going through that, I mean, going through that door, maybe I could have, as a veteran, said, hey, let's let's do this, guys. Let's do this. That's a literal example? Yes. Wow. Why Why would an athlete not just go do the thing the coach just said to do? It's just, just a spirit of rebellion or or what? I've heard some somebody say you all you repeatedly do and habits matter so much. So if I make a habit, if there's a habit of me doing what I want to do, yet I'm rewarded for it. And that's us. And first of all, it starts as as a student athlete. You're a younger person um, or even in your household where uh, I do what I want and I don't get in. Uh, there's no discipline. There's nothing. There's nothing stopping me from doing that. Um, there's no one saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's, oh, it's okay. You're a, you're a good athlete. So we'll, we'll pat you on the back. And that's not just select people. That's all of them. So I take that even myself because I've done things wrong myself in college, not fully listening to the coach or not fully listening to the teachers or the academic advisors and not facing any repercussions for it. And when it happens over and over, you can eventually that habit can cement you and you could become something that you don't want to be. So that was just a small example. That was just one that came to my mind. Um, and I'm not saying the whole team is going and doing that, yeah. but that's just an example of, Hey, it, it might not look big. I mean, that's a, a door. You could go through that door. You go, but coach says, let's do this. Let's just do what coach says. That's an example of little things in a negative way, adding up to big things. And eventually we're not accountable as a team on the field. So when people talk about leadership in the locker room, is that what we're talking about? Somebody who's actually saying the things mentally that need to be said? That's, that's a part of it. One, um, having, you know, having to be the bad guy sometimes, or the, you know, the guy who's like, Hey, we're not going to do this. I don't know, throw footballs in the locker room. Like that's not, an example for me, but that, that's something I heard in another locker room where somebody just said, you know, guys are throwing the football in the locker room. A guy comes up, grabs the football. We're not doing that. You know, now there are other, here's another thing to do, to do the right thing all the time when nobody, when you think nobody's looking, um, that is important to show up on time to the weight room when you don't have to show up on time. If it's off season training activities, all those things mattered to me. I'm thinking of things when I was a young player, those things mattered to me when I saw veterans showing up on time. And I said, you know, I'm going to follow that. I'm going to do that. Hmm. Um, all those little things make, make uh, add up to big things. And, and, you know, eventually Bengals here, we're in the Super Bowl, And I bet it, those little things mattered. Which is why uh, New England Patriots, who most of us hate their guts. Sorry if you're from New England. <laughs> they're just annoying. Not so much now that they're not winning, but that's why in years past they've been so annoying is they they just have that culture, that culture of mental mentally bought into team. I assume that's what it is, right? Yeah. I from the I've never played there, but the guys who I know who have played there, they say there's one sign in the building that it says do your job. Period. So you are accountable for your job. And that was important for our team when I was a player. I know that's important for the team now, for all the teams, do your job. But it was, it, from what I've heard in, in New England, that that's what it was. Everyone do your job. And then you have a guy like Tom Brady who is 
doing that. He's doing his job. He's competing every day in practice. It's an all the time thing. So everyone else falls in line. Yeah, the, the dude really is amazing that you can step out of one organization where you've had unbelievable success, step in another organization where there really hasn't been great success. And then instantaneously, like with a snap of fingers, all of a sudden you're, you're Super Bowl contenders every year. Uh, that's just a, he, Tom Brady has always annoyed me too for a variety of reasons, but you gotta be, you gotta be just incredibly impressed with, by him. He's just a, man, he's just a leadership stud. Man, I know people who have played double digit years in the NFL and have never gone to the playoffs. Hmm. Um, I have never won a playoff game. I've gone to the playoffs five times, but uh, in my career, but it's, it's so hard to just to win a Super Bowl or make it. Everyone's goal is to do that. And everyone has coaches who are, who have a lot of experience and players who are highly skilled and to get to the Super Bowl, it is such a feat. And for a guy like Tom Brady, not, not only for him to go as many times as he has, but to win most of them. I think I've lost count, man. What is yeah. it, like six? No, I, I thought <laughs> I he was seven. Know. I thought he was seven. Maybe seven, yeah. Seven. He, He's he won. has more so Super Bowl rings than any other team in their entire history has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I didn't realize that it was five. You're saying the Bengals, and I'm sorry to go back to a more painful time for both of us as Cincinnatians, but it was it was five times with Marvin Lewis or five times the Bengals didn't get past the first round? Five years in a row. Five we years did. in a row. Um, yep. So what is, if we contrast that to this year, where Joe Burrow's first year in the playoffs, he wins three, Joe Burrow mm-hmm. and, and the rest of the Bengals, it's a team sport. If you were to look back on it now, is there anything where you'd say, gosh, this was why we kept melting down. We didn't have a guy who did this, or we believed that. I mean, there had to be, was there some through line as to why you couldn't get through the first round? I wouldn't say we and kept I just say melting this. down. And just let me just say this. I'm, I'm, I'm not asking you to relive painful memories. Where I'm going for this <laughs> for you and everybody else, where I'm going for this is, I think all of us are caught in some cycles of futility. A futility, a cycle of futility in our marriage. We just can't get over the same conversation. A futility with we keep making physical goals, but we can't break through them. A futility with I keep saying I'm going to have a better prayer life, but we don't get there. We All of us have things that we just can't break through. And I'm looking to see if there's something back when that might be transferable to be able to help us break through our non-winning ways. That's what I'm asking. That's good. I think um, this is so random, but I was just thinking of when um, Jesus is with his disciples and the night before he's going to be betrayed and he's talking to them about uh, communion, as I call it, we call it communion. And he's he's saying, do this in remembrance of me. And I heard a pastor kept saying, do this, do this in remembrance of me. And I think to be able to do what you know all the time, that is, I think, what makes this team special. I think they know what they need to do, but they continue to do it. They know that 
um, character, having character, explain, displaying it, playing hard, those things. They know they have to, they know that, but they do it. And in life in general, I think we know so much. I think we have so many books on marriage. I think we have so much knowledge. This has been some of the best preaching. I know you've preached some of the greatest sermons, but the question is, are we going to do what we know? Are we going to execute? Uh, you know, the coach gives us the play call, but if we're not going to execute the play call, why do you need to know the play call? And I think that's what it is. We didn't, when I was a player, those five years in a row, yes, we were playing some great teams. Three of those games were on the road, tough environments on the road. However, we did not execute fully what we knew um, that we should we should do. Uh, and yeah, I just think it's just doing it. And that was, <laughs> the, you didn't execute because of mental breakdowns, not because you couldn't bench press enough. Yes, yeah. I agree. Because the teams we were playing against, of course, they had talented players. Uh, we played twice in the playoffs against uh, Houston Texans and this guy, J.J. Watt. He's just batting every other pass down and just making, you know, they have so many talented players. But at the end of the day, it was who's going to execute, um, get the job done. Um, a lot, another thing is this quote, more games are lost than won. Who's going to make the mistake huh. to lose the game? Interesting. Because, you know. So, and yeah, when it came down to it, we were losing those games, even though we were a talented team, we had successful seasons. Um, but, and the, you know, this year, the difference is they're, they're executing. More games are lost than won. That's, that's a really interesting insight. Huh. Fascinating. All right. I am curious about a couple more Bengal things that we're going to go into the lightning round. One is that the team preparing for the Super Bowl, what what does preparation look like on a Super Bowl week versus another week in a season? All right. So I'm not I'm not there for the for practices like I'm, it's, I've been virtual, um, mostly virtual in a lot of ways um, with this year. Because you have to because be, that, that, that's just the NFL rules. Right. Mm hmm. However, I know one thing is that they try to make everything the same. They want, they're practicing hard. They're doing the same things in practice, the same routine. They want to have the same schedule. Uh, in the NFL, the schedule is king uh, to, you know, go through the schedule. And when you have differences in the schedule, it can be really tough. When when those guys are in L.A., I think back in the day, when we were less of a mobile society, when people traveled less, um, being in LA might be a big source of temptation. There's new clubs, there's new whatever, whatever to do. Is that still the case it is right now for those players? Are there more temptations to keep them mentally focused or is that not, uh, not prevalent for today's player? What I think is the temptation or the things that can break focus off this week is just external things that are happening because it's the Super Bowl week. Um, whether it's your uncle's father's second cousin is reaching out to you. Hey man, remember I did this for you. Now let me get some Super Bowl tickets, you know, mm -hmm. like something like that. Or uh, you're, you're from lost, uh, maybe the, from the, the West coast or from California. So you have a lot of people in town, which can be awesome, but also um, it, could be if you allow it 
to could be a distraction for players and coaches alike. Uh, so just making sure you navigate that because you want to enjoy that week. This is the Super Bowl, man. There's only been what several thousand people to play in the Super Bowl, maybe less. And you want to make sure you enjoy it. Yeah. But you know that you're there for one reason, and that's to come away with a win. All right. Are you ready for the lightning round? This is where I give you a topic and you have to aggressively like answer it real fast. Can you do it? Let's do it. Yes, you can. Here we go. Biggest aggressive move you've seen the Bengals make this season. Going for it more on fourth downs. They did go for it more on fourth downs, didn't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the, the statistics say teams should be going for it more and, and many of them are. That's cool. I like that. What what game or what what win or loss this season for the Bengals was the most surprising for you? Chargers loss. Why? We had so much momentum in the comeback, I thought we were going to win. When you've got nerves that are messing with you before a big game, how do you calm them down? Hit somebody. Uh, key the key for Cincinnati to bring home the Lombardi trophy stop the run most dangerous aspect of the Rams that the Bengals have to be concerned about and prepare for pass rush Vincent Vinny Ray this has been great is there anything you want to talk about that we that we haven't talked about or anything you want to say that we haven't said yeah I like to say one thing. Yeah. As a chaplain, I've been having chapel, which is a message about 20 to 25 minutes I would give, uh, maybe a little less time. But that's something I have rarely done up until this point was to, in essence, preach. I've preached three times before this season, and now I've been doing it pretty much weekly. And that was tough to do. But I do have others who are chaplains, in, who have been chaplains and are retired or who are currently chaplains who are older than me, who have helped me. And I'm reading, I've read through a couple books with some of them. And I just wanted to say that I appreciate mentors, uh, someone who is going to mentor you, disciple you. I think we all need that. I had a great father growing up and I, but I, even since then, I've had great men lead me along the way, and they're still leading me as I'm leading other men. So I just wanted to give a shout out to all the mentors and just to say, continue to work, continue to lead, um, because it's not in vain. Well, how, if you hadn't preached before, how did you get the idea that you wanted to be a chaplain? How, how did that all come about? That's a, I mean, that's a pretty cool gig you have. There's a lot of people who would give their hind's tooth to do what you're doing. <laughs> So the former chaplain here, Lamoris and his wife, Megan uh, Crawford, they were thinking about joining on staff at a church somewhere. They had an offer to be a pastors. And he asked me if I wanted to be the chaplain. He thought I would be he thought I would be a great fit. And Noel and I prayed about it. I didn't think I would be going into the ministry. Um, but I did know what I was doing at the time was I was leading Bible studies, life groups, as we call it at my church, and uh, I enjoyed it. So I said, yes, I'll do it. And I'm thankful I did. Vinny, do you have uh, any way people can 
follow up with you in terms of just see what you're doing on social media. This is basically your time to, to pump your stuff and help us uh, see more of what you got going on. Awesome. Well, I have Twitter, uh, Vinny Ray, V-I-N-N-Y-R-E-Y. I'm on Facebook. I think my name is Vinny Ray on Facebook. Uh, and that's about it. I don't have a big social media platform. That's one of my negatives, which I did. But yeah, you can get, get in touch with me those ways. Well, brother, this has been this has been fantastic. Thanks for building into us, giving us a peek behind the curtain, and dropping some some major truth bombs on us. You're you're definitely an aggressive man. I mean, I'm just thinking about going into a job that you hadn't done before, mm. having to do things like preaching every week that you hadn't done before. That's that's aggressive, man. It's aggressive, and and I'll just say right now, maybe maybe the secret sauce for the Cincinnati Bengals isn't Joe Burrow, but it's Vinny Ray. Maybe that's the secret sauce. <laughs> Man, the secret sauce is for them to keep working like they've been. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Okay, hey, folks, I know you can learn something from Vinny and what he said. All of us want to be champions. All of us need to be on top of our mental game. Let's make the aggressive move, figure out where we're weak, and let's fix it right now. We'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com. Find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram, at Brian Tome. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.